The Crossman Conversation brought to you today by Community Legal Services, Maynard Cooper, Frontier Partners, by Crossmark Services, and Roto Speaks. The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. The Crossman Conversation is hosted by John Crossman. John's heart is to see our community of leaders unite around what we have in common. John will be joined by political leaders, religious leaders, as well as activists making a difference in our nation. Here is your host for the Crossman Conversation, John Crossman. Hello, this is John Crossman, and welcome to the Crossman Conversation. Now, before we get started, Mike. Hey there, my friend. Listen, I got a quick story for you. Okay. okay. Now, you know you know a little about me. You know a little about my story, who I am as a person. And one of the things you would know about me is I love track and field. I uh, love track. You, I'm a track guy. You're a runner. I am. And I ran track at college and yeah. I ran at FSU. And in my event, my big event was the 400 meters. Of course, when you run the four meters, the biggest thing is the four by four. That's the end of every track. I mean, that's the highlight signature event. It's a big deal, right? And you know, I ran in college, as I like to say, it was many pounds ago. Okay. <laughs> and, um, and I was good. I was not great. Right. But who was great was Baylor University. Baylor mm. University I mean, whatever you think of like the best, you think of the best of any athletic category, different universities, you know, Duke at basketball or, you know, Ohio State of football, you know, things you contact, Iowa and wrestling, four by four, Baylor University, the best at that. Wow. Now, other things you know I'm passionate about, Christianity, passionate about that. Yes, you are. I am. And I'm passionate about diversity, you know, there's Mm -hmm. would you believe our guest today is a Baylor University professor who's going to talk to us about race and Christianity, all of those things. Maybe you can talk about the four by four too. I don't know. All from the great state of Texas. All from the great state of Texas. So yeah. we have professor George Yancey, who is a professor of sociology together, right? At Baylor university. Yes. And I cannot help you with that on that four by four. That's oh. many years ago for me. <laughs> Man. Oh, that bear will yeah. jump on you about 300 meters. The yeah. bear comes out. Yeah. Comes out. Yeah. I, I think, I think my knees would, would hate me for a good long time <laughs> if I tried to do that right now. Well, uh, Professor, thanks for being on the show. And um, Thank you. you have, uh, you know, you, you're a professor, and you, but you've written a lot of articles, a lot of speaking on some pretty interesting topics, and you seem to have kind of um, a unique or specific point of view when it comes to the, the topic of race and Christianity. You had an article recently came out was talking about that. Can do you mind just giving us a quick overview of kind of your view, view on all that and give us some context to what you're talking about? Sure, yeah. I'll just give you my, what I call my elevator speech about my approach. Uh, you know, we have all these racial problems in our society, and a big part of it is we don't communicate well enough with each other. We either try to ignore race or we try to force our vision on others rather than trying to work together to find ways to solve our problems where everyone can have agreement. And so that's why I advocate more of a collaborative conversation approach towards dealing with race rather than a colorblind where you ignore it or an anti-racism approach, which uh, research has found not to be very successful. So that's my, I'm on the 10th floor, the first floor, and now we're there. Gotcha. So you, some people would say, um, well, we don't need to talk about race. Uh, Barack Obama was president. It's fixed, problem solved. Don't talk about it. There, There is some <laughs> of that. And then I meet yeah. some people who are like, this is the worst country that's ever existed in the entire planet and things are awful and we need to burn it to the ground. I actually was on a, a Zoom conference podcast or something right after Mr. Floyd got murdered and a woman, a really respected woman, said there's been no progress in race in the U.S. history. And I was like, that's that's a bit of an extreme statement 
on the other side. And I'm in the middle where I'm like, hey, there are problems of race. Let's work together to fix it. That's where my head is at. So is that, is that, am I, are, are we on the same page or do you hate my guts because, you know, my race? I don't no, know. No, I mean, yeah. So there, there's extremists on both sides. And, and of course, my position, I get fire from both. So, right. And, and that's fine. You know, that's the way it is. Yeah, I, I, I'm a little bit more specific as far as, I don't like to call it as a middle approach, as more of a qualitatively different idea. Okay. Because what I would argue is that both when people are trying to ignore race, what they try to do is say, you have to ignore race too. You have to, you have to, you have to do what I want you to do. And anti-racism, if you read any of it, it's, hey, you all need to do this. And what I'm saying is, you know, I have my own perspectives on what needs to be done. Let me put that on the table with everyone else, and can we find a way in which we can uh, come together, find agreement? Am I willing to give up something that, you know, I would like but not necessary? So you will help me with something that I think is necessary and vice versa. Uh, you know, it's not unlike how we, how we deal with our relationships with our spouses and our friends and, our, and mm-hmm. to some degree our kids as they get older. You know, we, we dictate – we don't dictate what, what we expect them to do. We work with them because we want to develop the relationship. And I fear that the relationship has been lost in our society because of the ways we approach racial relationships. And I kind of like to see if we can build, build that community back. It's funny. I, uh, I, I, I tweet a little bit, and I certainly don't tweet with any impact ever, right? Um, but I had a tweet a few months ago that went viral. And, and here's the viral tweet that I had. I wrote, I'm a Christian – conservative Republican, and I support HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities, and I encourage all Republicans and Democrats to unite and support HBCUs. And that went kind of crazy. Um, and then somebody like screenshot it and they put it on Instagram and it went crazy on Instagram. And as you wow. might imagine, I, I, I've got lots of wonderful feedback, Professor. I really did, which, I mean, overwhelmingly, but there was hate from both sides. There was hate from both sides on that. And it was interesting that my calling for unity sort of caused some people to to freak out. Yeah, you know, I I fear that some people have an investment on on both sides on keeping us divided, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, because hey, then you can you can uh, you can sort of stigmatize the other people as long as we can see them as the other, so also we dehumanize them, and so in that, I think the colorblind person and the anti-racist person are alike now. Uh, what they offer is totally different, obviously, and they would never agree on, on a lot of things. But they both kind of want to force people into their type of solution rather than take into consideration that there may be uh, information and evidence of alternative ways that, that could be better. So um, let me ask you this question. So my, my core hardline framing of the world is through my Christian worldview. And then occupationally, I'm, I'm a business person, I'm a, I'm a small business owner. What, how, what is your advice to me? If I, and I say to you, and I mean this truly, like I want to do all I can in those two channels to impact improvement, to, to eliminate racism in America. What is your counsel to me on what things should I be thinking about reading, talking about studying? What, what do you think? Well, you know, I guess I can just share, you know, the larger vision that I have on what Christians could do. And then, you know, maybe there's ways you can think about how you might want to fit in that if that's something you really want to do. Awesome. But I, I believe that what I'm talking about fits well within my Christian worldview, because my Christian worldview talks about human depravity. And human depravity is why we can't, can't have these conversations. It's why we want to try to force others into our ideas. It's why we, we're, we aren't able to see how, how 
how self-driven a lot of our ideas are. And so in order to overcome that, we need to have better conversations. So I think that that's right within the middle of a Christian worldview. And in my book, I talk about that. However, that doesn't mean that only Christians can do this. Mm-hmm. Just like forgiveness is part of a Christian worldview, but non-Christians can learn how to forgive too, and it's better if they do because it's healthier for them. Yeah, that's right. So what I think, you know, as a Christian, what I would love, I would love for Christians and non-Christians to engage in this, but I think it's, if we can start in the Christian churches and Christian organizations, uh, educational institutions, that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, to, and I've been putting together programs that allow people to do this, at least in their churches, to begin to have what I call collaborative conversations with members of their churches, ideally bringing together people of different races, to begin to learn how to talk to each other in a more healthy way. So we can solve our problems in a healthy manner rather than going to our, our corners and fight it out. Uh, and so I've been, you know, working towards that, working towards uh, developing the research for that, trying to find resources to do more research, because I also wanted to do this research in Christian educational institutions. And eventually, if we as a church and our educational institutions and our parachurch organizations start having a healthier dialogue, the rest of the world will notice. And in the post-Christian society, then they'll have a reason to come come to us, whereas today they really don't in a post-Christian society. That's awesome. So, uh, so can and, you, and, and then, you know, and, and as, as opportunities come up, I will try to impact the non-Christian world. I'm not saying I'm only going to stick to Christians, but I think we should start here first uh, and then try to show that example. So, you know, as far as you personally, I mean, you know, where is your church open to doing something like this? Uh, are you, are, you know— are you open to uh, finding other avenues for this, uh, finding uh, resources? To, uh, uh, you know, there's, you know, I can't say what you should do. I mean, I'm just saying here's some, here's some just ideas to think about, uh, to learn more. How do we have these conversations? How can we foster them in Christian organizations? And how we can support work that would, uh, that would move the needle? Well, Professor, all I want is for you to solve all my problems. That's what I'm trying to get you to do. <laughs> I don't know what the problem is. You know, it's funny when you were talking about, like, you know, starting the Christian to go from there, and what, what hit my mind was Chick-fil-A, right? Like, you know, <laughs> it's done really well, and everybody loves it, right? So if, yeah. if, if we as a Christian community can make further, I think as a Christian community, we've done a lot of great things in the course of, you know, impacting race positively. And of course, there's some negatively. But if we can do more of it, and it creates more healthiness, then that's a good thing. And if other people are doing it too, regardless of their beliefs, the society wins. So that's that's part of what you're saying, correct? Yeah, yeah. And yes, so I'm all about if, if people don't come to Christ, but they act like Christians, society's better off. Right. You know, and this is an area where, you know, they act like Christians. Now, I think that this will be a way where we, our witness becomes powerful because it, once again, a post-Christian society, People are not going to come to our churches because they feel an obligation to. Mm. But they will come to our churches if they think they see something there they're not seeing uh, elsewhere. Mm. And if we're having healthy conversations on race, they're not seeing that in the rest part of society for the most part. So, so I, I, you know, while I'm not saying, hey, you know, we're going to use this and everyone's going to do this is going to become a Christian because that's not going to happen, it will help us uh, as a Christian community to reach out to others and perhaps to win some to the Lord. Gotcha. Uh, Professor, I'm going to take a quick break, and then I want to come right back, and then I want to I want you to give us some specific examples so we get a little bit deeper, okay? So um, sure. hang right there. We'll be right back. And this is John Cross from the Cross Conversation with uh, Professor George Yancey from uh, Baylor University. 
Managing a team that has a lack of accountability and effective communication can be frustrating. Bill Roto-Rooter can help you build a cohesive team and a collaborative work environment. As a retired commander of the Navy's premier training system and research development organization, Roto has the experience to help you build trust and a high-performing team as you navigate high-pressure situations. To schedule a complimentary call with Roto, go to rotospeaks.com and complete the form and put the Crossman conversation in the message field. I'd like to thank Maynard Cooper and Gale PC for being a sponsor of our program. Maynard is a full-service law firm with over 350 attorneys and 14 offices nationally who serve with professional excellence in everything from corporate and business matters to day-to-day legal issues. The office in Central Florida focuses its practice in real estate, corporate transactions and organization, banking and finance, along with trust and estates. To learn more, visit MaynardCooper.com. Community Legal Services is a civil legal aid organization providing no-cost legal help to the underserved. They call it Legal Aid for All. Their attorneys assist with legal issues related to family law, housing, domestic violence, veterans' benefits, and much more. Community Legal Services is a community-supported program. To learn more and help support the mission, visit clsmf.org. That's clsmf.org. Community Legal Services. Legal Aid for All. Crossmark Services is a commercial real estate firm offering a wide range of professional services, including advisory, brokerage and leasing, investing, and property management. Our staff comprises the industry's most seasoned professionals who possess the needed knowledge in real estate investments, analysis, and portfolio management to drive growth. See how Crossmark can work for you. That's CrossmarkServices.com. Are you willing to serve communities in crisis around the world to people who are impoverished, oppressed, and persecuted? Frontier Partners International offers mission opportunities in areas least served to meet the needs of the helpless, hapless, and hopeless, and is currently serving earthquake survivors in Syria. Share the love and joy of Christ and give the gift of a hope-filled future to someone in desperate need. Learn more at FrontierPartners.org. That's FrontierPartners.org. Once again, here is John Crossman. All right, we're back here at the uh, Crossman Conversation with Professor George Yancey, who's at Baylor University. And I am a fan. I'm a fan of his teachings. I'm a fan of his writing. I like so much what he's doing because he seems to be core to his faith. And look, not everybody that listens to the show is necessarily the same faith I do. Uh, but Professor Yance and I do, and, I, and that's awesome. And then I feel like he's challenging. He's an intellectual, and so he's taking us to this next level of like a solution-based view of all this. And so, um, Professor, can you now talk about like what does what your training look like? So if somebody's like raises their hand, hey, I'm on board, I'm open, I want to get some training. Can you give us some specifics what that looks like? Sure. So what 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 I've done is I've put online uh, some videos. And right now we're beta testing it for churches. So right now the videos are free. Oh, wow. Uh, and basically the videos really teach people how to engage in a collaborative conversation. Because a lot of times we really don't know how, how to do it. We're used to arguing rather than collaborative conversations, which is defined as purpose-driven conversation where we build on each other's ideas. So we train people then. And then the, the, the organization will put people in groups, groups of five to eight, we train the leaders in the same manner to lead these groups, and then we give you know prompts for people to, to engage in these sort of conversations. And the idea is, by engaging these conversations, 
people learn how to navigate sensitive discussions on race because they learn more about people who think differently than them. Mm-hmm. And they gain insight. And so the next time there's a racial incident, instead of just running to the people we already agree with, we can talk to people we disagree with. And, and if they've also had the training and the experience, they can talk, talk with us and we can actually try to find common ground. Uh, so that's in a nutshell what, what the training would look like. It would be uh, going uh, – the, uh, the video I think is only about an, an hour, if I remember correctly. Maybe it only be 40 minutes for the initial training. But then meeting about five or six times in a small group to have conversations to uh, and and the the conversations in these groups they're they're organized in a certain way to allow people to make sure everyone has a chance to express themselves and to listen to others. So in a nutshell, that's kind of uh, what the training would look like at, at this point in time. And and we've been working with some churches. Uh, we've been working with some Christian high schools. And if God allows us. We like next year to be working with some Christian colleges and add more churches and high schools. Because the more the more data I get, the more I learn how to teach people how to do this, then the better off I can to pr- finally write an article or a book showing here's a technique and here's the research showing that this works. Whereas you know what we do know is the research shows that traditional diversity training usually does not work. Hmm. So that's kind of my goal, and that's kind of what I hope to offer to the to the body of Christ. To, to work on and to hopefully develop better ways of, of connecting with one another that, that's productive instead of destructive. Well, way to go. Keep, keep going. We need you. Um, so <laughs> would you mind if I tell a story about like one of my experiences and can you just respond to it? Is that okay? Sure. So uh, I think it was about a year ago, I got asked to be in a, a panel and it was like a some sort of group conversation within real estate industry and, and they wanted to talk about race and as I got closer to it, I was one of the panelists and the other three were, um, were black women. And I started thinking to myself like, oh my gosh, I, I'm getting some anxiety about this because I want to be respectful and how am I going to be received and this kind of thing. And so early in the panel, I made a statement and I said, look, I cannot, you know, understand what it's like to be a black woman in America and those experiences. What I can tell you is that <coughs> I've suffered from clinical depression and I've been on the treatment of a psychiatrist for a year and had to take Zoloft and Klonopin. And so I've had some deep trauma and I've had some deep suffering that I had to get through. And so when someone tells me they've experienced trauma, I can connect at that level and then I can have empathy. And it's funny because after I shared that, everything went great. It went really, really great because where there were some gaps that we, we can't completely connect, we were able to connect and others that gave us a common ground to have hard conversations. So is that kind of an example of what you're talking about? I think there were some elements of collaborative conversation with that. Uh, you know, I, I don't know whether it was completely, you know, a collaborative conversation built on each other's ideas, but part of, part of the collaborative conversation is listening to others. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we oftentimes we listen so that we can argue, instead of listening for comprehension, for understanding. And probably when you told them about your experience, they were listening, and then and and they they listened not to argue with you because who's going to argue with you because that you've had trauma? Mm-hmm. But they're listening to understand where you're coming from, and that probably helps to pave the way to have a better conversation because now it's not about confrontation; it's about can we understand one another? Mm-hmm. And so I think that you know you probably changed. You might have. I don't know. I'm not there, 
might have changed the focus of how the conversation could have gone by sharing it and opening it up. And also when people listen to us, we're more willing to open up mm-hmm. and more willing to share. And mm-hmm. then we, they can get to know us better, we can get to know them better. But, you know, it has to be a two-way street, of course. Right. But, uh, but yeah, I think that that's probably part of what it would be, what it would look like. And so that's what you're trying to make sure you're doing is that um, people people feel safe and trusted and heard. And then is that part of it as well? That's part of it. But people have to know that, you know, they're going to go into this and people are going to disagree with them. Mm-hmm. But we can disagree with each other in a way that's destructive or constructive. Mm-hmm. And so what we have to do is learn how to have these disagreements and build on them. I think part of it is, and here's part of what, what your story has told me, you found common ground with them. Right. You're right. You 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 know you don't. None of us are can understand everything about any other person. Uh, we can't even understand that about siblings in our own family. Mm-hmm. But you found common ground in in the in the uh, experience of trauma that they may or may not have had. Mm-hmm. And once we have common ground, then it becomes easier to deal with our disagreements. If we, all we start off is, man, I disagree with you on this, 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 and that's how we start off, then. Yeah, it usually doesn't go in a good place. But we start off, hey, you know, here's here's where we have agreement. Here's where we have some similarities. And then we, then we go to our disagreements. Then it becomes a, a better conversation because we know that we've humanized the other person. Mm-hmm. And if you're in too many of our racial conversations, we're not humanizing the other person. We're just seeing them as an enemy to be defeated. I was uh, just doing a, a Bible study with a group of guys, and we're talking about the faith of the centurion. And before we got into it, we were talking about like, well, what was it like in Israel at that time? And a, and a Roman soldier, it's an occupying army in a leadership position. And then that guy is going up to Jesus and asking for his help. And Jesus is immediately saying, I'll help you. If you put that into context of any of our, you know, it's like, you know, a, a Russian soldier walking over to a Ukrainian, right? Or it's, I mean, any kind of context, you're like, wow. And that's one of the ways that Christ was so radical, right? Like he completely yeah. kept breaking down barriers and being in relationship and have conversation. It breaks down our normal humanity and how we view the world and, and how he views the world. And it's, well, it causes revolutions, right? Um, you know, I have, a, I have a picture that is in my office of a older, not a, of a black woman who's covering a guy who's a, who's a member of the Ku Klux Klan. She's covering so he won't get beat. Because he had, there's, a, there's a rally and there's a counter rally and the people start chasing the Klan and she covers him. Wow! So it doesn't, so it doesn't get beaten. She covers a guy who's so a member of the Ku Klux Klan. Wow! Doesn't get beaten. And wow. years later, uh, his son thanks her. Mm. Uh, she didn't even know. She she just, he just went up and said, "I want to thank you for saving." Uh, and she says, "Who are you? I was the son of a man that you 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 may have saved his life by covering him up." How about that? That is Christian love. And that is easy. that that is Christian love, and that's my hero, right? Like that's just yeah, that's awesome. That's why I have her picture. She's she's kind of a hero of mine. Yeah, well, way to go. That's fantastic. Um, so um, last question, kind of kind of short answer, but I want you like just give me your wisdom on this. If I brought you into a room and I had in front of you sixty white male CEOs of companies today, and they're good guys, okay, they're not bad guys, they're mm-hmm. good guys. And I'm yeah. like, hey, I just want you to talk for a minute and tell them something that they need to know. What would you say to them? I would say that if we invest, if we invest into uh, dealing with the social problems from a Christian point of view, that money will go a lot further than investing in politics because the cult, where the culture goes, the country's going to go. And we as Christians have an answer, but we have to 
We have to look at it. And so I would say, you know, we know that we have resources that we can use. And I'm not saying we, we, we must only use resources in this way. But, you know, when, when, uh, when, when companies with anti-racism can get millions and millions of dollars, uh, and then we have Christian black Christians of color struggling who can't get funded because they won't march to the line of certain sexuality issues. You know, the problem's on us. It's not. It's not simply on on the uh, on, on the non-Christians. So we have to decide how we're going to spend our money wisely, and resources wisely. Uh, I'll go much more into that to establish it. No, no, that would be the bottom line. Look, you're talking about ROI, which business people get, and. You know, when you said that, what jumped into my mind is, you know, I've done a lot of prison ministry over the years, and that's exactly how I feel. If we take somebody that's incarcerated and they get back to society and they go from a tax spender to a tax giver, you know, the flip of that it is so expensive to keep people in prison. If we get them out and they're in the community and to get them out in the community, we got to invest in them. You know, we got to get them some skill sets yeah. and things like that. So. That's what I hear you saying, and I, I totally agree. I think it's very, very powerful. And when I present, I, I know I'm, I know we're running out of time. When I present, I, I don't just present from a Christian. I show research that that antivirus was not working. And we have every reason to believe this will work. So, but we just got we just got to get the uh, research out and, and get it done to show that's going to work. Well, uh, Professor, thank you, thank you for all the great work you're doing. Keep going. We're fans of you here <laughs> at the Crossman Conversation, and I hope you'll stay in touch with us and. Uh, whatever we can do to promote all the excellent work you're doing, uh, you let us know. We're, we are fans of what you're all about. And, and go Baylor. I will cheer for them in every 4x4, four four, except when they're going into FSU, and then I hope they fall. Okay. It's the only way to That's catch those enough. guys. So anyway, but thank you for being part of the show today, Professor. All right. God bless. Thanks so much. This has been John Crossman with the Crossman Conversation. And as always, support your local HBCU. This has been Crossman Conversation. Produced by a Crossman Career Builders Mark Radio Production.